And Lord, I am so grateful for your timing, your purposes, your plans, your agenda. And Father, I know that in your sovereignty, you have something specific this morning. I believe you have something specific for each person that's here. Not only each person that's here, but each person that's listening in. And so, Father, I pray a blessing and anointing on Leroy as he shares that he could be a, spokes, a spokesman for what's on your heart and that he could share and uh, we could hear, we could understand, and, Father, through the Holy Spirit, that you would transform us here this morning that not one person would leave unchanged, but you would change us in one way or another. Thank you for what you're doing. Father, you're so good. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Leroy. Good morning, church. How is everybody this morning? It's good to be here, and uh, I think I want to start off by um, just honoring my wife and introducing you to her. If you don't know her, um, hopefully you're fulfilled in other ways, but you're probably lacking in in that. My wife is a is a tremendous blessing, and uh, in ministry, it's so important. To, uh, to work together as a team because when God calls a man, he calls his wife and he calls his family as well. And uh, so I just want to honor my wife. I have a tremendous wife. She, um, we've been married for 28 years and uh, God has brought us and our marriage through a lot of things. Uh, by things, I mean a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, yeah, God has really restored our marriage. Our marriage was at a at a very perilous place about 10 years into our marriage. And uh, so the things that God has done to restore our marriage is, is absolutely incredible. And uh, so I honor you, hon, and thank you, for, thank you for being by my side in ministry. It's so important. Uh, this morning, my children are here as well. My son Cameron is here. I love my son. He... Uh, he is very, very gifted and talented by God, and, and uh, God is on a journey to bring all of that to the surface for the honor and the glory of God. And uh, our daughter-in-law, Sylvia, my Lord, we prayed for her uh, long before she came into our lives as a daughter-in-law, and God answered all of our prayers. And Sylvia is a wonderful, wonderful daughter-in-law. And, can I say it? I'm going to be a grandpa. Wow. Oh, now that just makes me happy on so many different levels. Unverstanding. Yeah, we are so looking forward to that. November. November, uh, Lord willing. Amen. And my daughter is here as well, Rachel. She is a tremendous blessing. And uh, she has by her side, Joe, her brand new boyfriend, fresh out of the box. And... Uh, <laughs> We enjoy Joe very, very much, and he is a tremendous blessing as well. It's good to be here, um, and uh, I always I, I come into situations like this. I endeavor to go places to preach, and I want to hear what the Lord is saying. I want to hear, and I want to try to discern, and I want to try to understand. I'm not the type of, of preacher that likes to go somewhere necessarily. I do it at times, but it's difficult for me to go in and preach a theme. Um, I tend to, to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in this season? 
What are you doing in my life? The Word of God is very, very real to me. It's quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I want to know what the Word of God is doing in my life and in your life right now. And so when I, when I preach, I tend to preach with subjects or about things that God is really doing in my life. And what I do is I give you a little bit of a picture into what God is doing in my heart. I, I just have a terrible time preaching about something that somebody says, hey, preach about this or preach about that. And uh, it doesn't come as naturally for me. It's not as much my gifting. Um, I can teach, but it's not my primary thing. And so the message that you'll hear this morning I hope is very rev uh, relevant for you today. And, uh, but God has been teaching me a lot of things, especially this last year. This last year in 2020 was a year that we have never experienced anything like this before. We went through some things and we experienced a season of time where, where there were some things happening in our world that we were not prepared for, or at least I wasn't. And as we navigated through those things, I still remember sitting with my team very early on. And I said, listen, there are things that are happening today. There are things that are breaking loose in our world that we have never seen. And so we are going to have to really be keen to incline our ear to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying for us in this season. And it felt, it really felt to me like we were almost being pioneers, like we were navigating down a trail that we have never walked before. It was not a well-worn path. It was a path that felt like we were hacking, under, uh, hacking through some underbrush at times. It's like we have never gone this way before. And one of the things that the Lord began to really impress on my heart, and we were actually talking about this on the way into Way of Jesus this morning, related to a different subject that, that we were uh, just having a conversation about. And it is this principle, and the Lord really impressed this on my heart again last year, that when God does something new, what do you think of when you think of God doing something new in your midst or in your life? Most of the time, when we think of God doing something new, we look at it and we say, well, I'm not familiar with that, so I'm not sure that it's from the Lord. New is something you've never experienced before. Otherwise, it's not new. It's only familiar. And so when God does something new in my life, it's going to be something that I have never seen before. And the tendency is to say, when I don't recognize something or it's not familiar to me, I right away, I hold out my arm. I keep it at arm's length. I'm going to have to make sure that I agree with this before I allow this into my life. Some of that is good. Some of that is extremely detrimental. The good part of it is, is that God asks us to test things, to make sure that they are from the Lord. But are we even open to test things to see if they are from the Lord or do we negate them immediately because we're not familiar with them? And so to keep our hearts and our lives open for that new thing, I have the plaque in my office. If you would come into my office, you would see the plaque from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Forget the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
And that new thing has been very intriguing to me because last year was very much a new thing. Last year we went through so many new things. Last year we went through so many changes. There were so many things that, that transpired that it was so difficult to lead through some of those seasons. When change presents itself, one of our tendencies, maybe I should say it this way. I told you I'm going to preach about things that are relevant in my own life. My tendency, when change presents itself, and I am not comfortable with the change, I will try to control how the change happens. I will try to manipulate how the change happens. And because I'm not comfortable with it and I put my guards up, it's difficult for me to say, Lord, you're actually in control because there's a part of me as a leader that is so conditioned to fixing problems and taking care of things and fixing issues that I snap into this counselor fix it mode. And my wife will tell you, she'll say amen to it. And, and I'll, I'll jump into it and I'll, I'll just be like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take care of this issue because this is something that I'm not comfortable just allowing to happen and taking its course. So there's times my wife, my wife uh, will come to me and she, uh, sorry Rosa, I'm going to, you learned this in pre-marriage counseling this recently with you and Jaron, um, but my wife will come to me and she'll want to have a conversation and she has learned and I have learned if she doesn't say it, I'll ask her the question, do you want me to give you answers or do you want me to just listen? Husbands, listen up, this is a key for you. And uh, because when she comes to me with something, I'm going to fix it, man. I'm the, you know, I'm that husband. I'm going to, and she'll come and she'll say, you know, I, I don't need you to answer it. I don't need you to fix it. I just need somebody to listen to what I'm going through. And for me, that's a difficult thing to step back and let things run the process that they need to run. And I want to stick my fingers in situations and I, I want to control things and and there's a part of me that wrestles at times with having faith. See, I'm just being honest with you because as a pastor and even as a senior pastor of a church, I'm no different than anybody in the congregation that I lead. I'm no better. And in fact, in some ways, I'm definitely not better than people in the congregation. But we do church with each other and we experience church with each other because you have a relationship with the Lord that looks different than mine. And as I get into relationship with you and I experience our friendship, I will see a side of the Lord that I can't see on my own. And that's the intention of God creating community and connection in the body of Christ. So I know that way of Jesus, and one of the things that I don't do, Dale, is uh, long ago when I was getting ready to preach at a conference, a good pastor friend of mine, a good friend of mine from South Carolina, he told me something and it just stuck with me from that point on. He said, bring it like you heard it and don't polish the edges. <laughs> and I've remembered that and so I'm just kind of, I kind of say things how I see it. Amen? Hopefully that's okay. If it's not, you'll correct me afterward. I know that this church has come through a difficult season. I know this church is currently coming through a difficult season. I know that this church has experienced an upheaval. I know that this church has gone through things that you wish you would not have had to go through. 
I know that this church has experienced things that when you look at relationships, when you look at certain people, there can be a tendency to see the hurt and the woundedness or maybe even an offense instead of seeing the actual person. I know all of these things and I've experienced every one of them and I've been on both sides of the issue. One of the things that I have discovered is that my relationship with the Lord becomes so paramount and so important because when my relationship with, with the Lord is where it needs to be, I can see people for who God has created them to be. I, can, I no longer need to look at someone through an offense because I will tell you the truth, Dale. An offense is an indication. If I take an offense to something that happened to me or through some, something that was said to me, if I take offense to that, it is more of an indication of a lack of spiritual maturity in my own life than it has anything to do with what the person did or said. Because if I truly have a revelation of how much God loves me and has forgiven me of, I will apply a level of forgiveness to what has happened through some other individual. But instead we get offended and we hang on to that offense and we think we are entitled to the offense because somebody hurt me or said something to me that, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And the moment that the Lord revealed to me that my offenses that I have carried throughout life because of things that people have done or said to me as an indication of my own spiritual immaturity and not the problem in their life, that will humble you. Lord, give me a fresh revelation. Give me a fresh revelation and a much deeper understanding of what you have done for me so that I can extend it to others. It's literally the parable. I think it's in Matthew chapter 18. I didn't even look it up before today. But I think it's in Matthew 18, isn't it, where the king forgave the servant of a massive debt. The man walks outside to somebody that owed him a little bit of money and grabbed him, snatched him up by the scruff of his neck and threw him into prison because he owed him a little bit. And yet he had just been forgiven a massive debt. And what did the king say? Take that man and throw him into prison. So offenses will literally throw you into prison where you will rot to death. Now I know that's not a very good picture, but it is the truth. One of the biggest things that I have discovered in my own life is the reason that I wrestle with wanting to control things is because God has created me to walk in dominion. I am literally created in the image and likeness of God to walk in dominion. And until I understand what that dominion is for, I will exercise it against people. Listen to me very carefully. I want you to get this. Dominion is never allowed to be exercised over people. Never. But so many times we will take what we know and understand as our identity, but we don't understand how to apply it to people or situations, and we will walk in dominion against people instead of against principalities and powers. Do you understand? So this morning, what I want to talk about is, uh, I want to talk about honor in dominion. Honor in dominion. So I want to read you, I want to read you the first scripture. The first scripture is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And while you're getting there, 
and I use the New King James Version for you sound guy if you're putting stuff up, if you have access to that. So while you're getting that, honor is a, an incredible principle. Honor is this, to fix a valuation to, or to prize. To prize or to fix a valuation. So when I honor someone, the, I endeavor to do this. I endeavor to see you through the mind of Christ. And the way that God looks at you and the value that he places on you as a daughter of the king, the way God views you, brother, and how you are created in his image and likeness and the value that he puts on you as an individual. When I honor you, my desire is to prize you or to fix a value on you according to what God says. Okay? That's honor. Honor also has to do with esteeming each other better than yourselves. Can you look around at the people you rub shoulders with? And does it ever go through your mind? Hmm. I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad I'm not struggling like they are. I'm glad I don't walk in sin or, or addiction or, wow, their marriage is really messed up. I'm glad our marriage is a whole lot better than theirs. Or, man, did you see how that guy is struggling financially? He, he is messed up. I mean, that guy, that guy doesn't even know how to handle money. Poor guy, I feel sorry for him. He just, you know, and, and we, we place ourselves above people because when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we'll arrive at one of two places. We'll either arrive at a place of pride or we'll arrive at a place of jealousy. Man, Michael, I just wish I could be the businessman that you are. It's not fair that you're so successful. It's not fair that you have all the money that you have. Why can't you share with me? Why can't we just, you know, be more, do you not, you know, and, and I compare myself to him and I'm like, man, I just, I arrive at a place of jealousy. And if we really would capture the concept and the principle of honoring people, I wonder how much it would change our interaction and our experience, not only in the body of Christ when we attend church together, but what would it look like in our businesses? From employer to employee. From foreman to employee. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to this. Honor all people. Honor all people. I'm going to ask you for some help this morning. I know mom used to tell me I need to be quiet in church, but I'm giving you permission to talk. What does all mean? Everyone. Is there an exception? I don't see an exception, right? Honor all people. Everybody. Seen or unseen. So what about the person? What about the person on death row? I'm sorry? Even even Justo Smoker. Yeah. Whoa, see now, now you've gone too far. <laughs> you know, does he deserve honor? He does. You know why he does? Because he's created in the image and likeness of God. My wife and I were in prison ministry and uh, I still remember so clearly how this principle sank into my heart when we went on death row. And uh, I remember getting to the prison 
and uh, it was a cold day, really cold, and we walked down this super long corridor. I don't remember how long it was. It had to have been a quarter of a mile, half a mile, that we walked through a corridor that they normally, when they delivered an inmate in a prison, within a prison, they would drive the van down this, down this long corridor. And we walked, and we walked, and we walked, and we finally got way back to, to death row. And you walk in, and you walk into these steps, and, and it had two wings off to each side. And uh, this was a prison within a prison. And you walked into death row, and we went off to the one side, and you walk down the steps, and you walk into this big room, and there's like two layers. There was two tiers, and everything is open. It was a really old prison, so there was all bars uh, on the on the doors. It was not like an enclosed area with a window like they have in some of the newer prisons. It was all bars. And we walked in, and all you hear is just this noise, just this roar of men in there just making all kinds of noise and you walk in and you walk right into the center of the room and there's a chain link pin that's all chain link it's a chain link fence with a chain link fence all over the top and they open the door and they say here's where you're going to have your service and they bring the men out and they seat them in there and they lock you in the cage with no officers and i'm like wait a minute what did i sign up for and you walk in there and uh, I began to speak, and this was almost 20 years ago, and I made mention about death row, and one of the inmates stopped me, raised his hand, he said, uh, sir, can I correct you? And I'm like, dude, you can do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> you know, he said, can I correct you? And I said, sure, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. He said, we don't call it death row in here. We call it life row because this is where God got our attention and birthed us from death to life to us. This is life row. This is where we found Jesus Christ. I'm like, wow, God really changed. That's a good one, isn't it? God really changed my perception of honor in that moment. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Honor is not an option. And if we could capture that, I think it would change our interaction with people dramatically. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let's look at dominion. Let's look at how we're created. And let's look how we can attach honor to all of that. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said. Then God said. Then God said. So God said something. He spoke. Out of his mouth came words. And with those words, something began to exist. So God spoke and something existed. Part of our being created in the image and likeness of God has to do with when we speak, we will put things into existence. So you have to be a little bit more careful with your words. And when you begin to understand the power and the authority that you have because of who you are and whose you are, you will begin to be a little bit more careful with the things that you say because with your mouth, you will birth things into existence and you will birth things into existence that will either agree with the king of kings, the kingdom of heaven, or you'll birth things that agree with the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. James chapter 3, what does James chapter 3 say? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings 
and cursing. So with my mouth, I can birth things that will either be a blessing or I can birth something that is a curse. When you begin to understand the dominion that you have inside of you, you will actually be a little bit more careful with your words. And when you birth something, it should not bring death or a curse, but in fact, it should bring life. So let's say that you need to correct somebody. Let's say that somebody needs to be corrected. Uh, the, the biblical word would be, the application would be exhortation. So if I need to exhort somebody, exhort is speaking correction into another person's life. When I do that, and I understand dominion, and I understand honor, exhortation will actually draw a person closer to you instead of pushing them away. So when you say something to someone to correct them, and it begins to push them away, look at the condition of your heart and the motivation for why you say it. Look at why you want to say it. Well, man, this guy is out of alignment. This woman is out of alignment. Man, I just, I have to go. It's my God-given duty to go and to bring some correction to somebody. This brother has, he, I don't even know you, but this brother has stepped out of alignment. His, his walk, man, I tell you what, Lord, just, you know, and this tends to be our attitude. Just give me my, give me your staff, Lord. I'll put him back in alignment. And man, we will come and scripture and we'll say things and we will correct him and the relationship is severed and people are left bleeding and the brother you have this wrong in your life and you have this wrong and then you ask me well what am I supposed to do I don't know but I'm just supposed to come tell you you're wrong it's just incredible to me that the attitude that we come with and the intention of our heart that we come with will tend to sever relationships because we don't know how to honor somebody. God has been speaking this into my life. Don't go correct someone and, 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 and give them some direction unless you have a kingdom key to put in their hand and say, brother, this is what the Lord has shown, but this is the answer. And I'll walk with you all the way to healing. Years and years ago, I was preaching a message uh, at a church out in Indiana and the Lord impressed it on, on my heart and gave me this saying you are not allowed to break the legs of any of the sheep unless you're willing to carry them until they're completely healed so people like to break legs and they like to bring correction but they don't take the time to ask God to change their heart and position themselves to say, how can I do this with honor in a way that builds up and speaks life into the situation instead of destroys? So remember that part of you being created in the image and likeness of God is when you say something, it holds a lot of weight in one kingdom or another. Then God said, let us make man in our image. By the way, very good job this morning teaching. Very good job. I can tell, I can tell that you are a man that puts a lot of time into your study. You did not arrive at the place where you taught this morning by studying for 10 minutes. You put a lot of time into that and I bless you for, for being a man that wants to study and understand the foundation of God's word. I bless you for that. That's very good. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth. You are created. 
men and women, you are created to have dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God to walk in dominion. That is what you're created to do. Be careful. Be very careful how you exercise that. Our role of responsibility as men and women of God is to bring order as we walk as ambassadors. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. This is extremely important. As we walk as ambassadors of the king, because when you are birthed into the family of God, you become a son or a daughter of the king. When you realize that you are a son and a daughter of the king and you belong to a family that is extremely powerful. Isn't the king powerful? He's in control of everything. He owns everything. It all belongs to him. And you discover all of a sudden that you're a part of that family. There's a tremendous amount of power that goes along with this. And we have to recognize the responsibility we have. It is our responsibility as ambassadors to walk into situations and bring order to them, but not through control. To bring order into the spirit realm wherever we walk. He has given us dominion over principalities and powers. So when you sense something, let's, let's just use a very practical example for way of Jesus. Let's use a very practical example. Let's say that you are someone sitting in here that has the gifting or the ability from God to sense what is happening in the spirit realm. And you sense that something is out of alignment. Something is not going the way that it should. And can I say, can I preface this by saying, Dale, there is not a single church on the face of this earth that does not have things that they're going through. My dad always told me, if you find the perfect church, son, stay out of it because you'll mess it up. And what he was saying is there is no perfect church. In other words, he wasn't saying that I was that much of a mess. You know what I'm saying? But in other words, there's not a church on the face of this earth that is not experiencing something to some degree. And if you're sitting here and God has given you the ability and the gifting to sense things that are happening in the spirit, that is not your right to step in and try to control and manipulate people and exercise your dominion over people. In fact, the very first thing that should happen is you should say, God, what do you want me to do with this situation? And as you begin to intercede, you don't begin to intercede against someone. You begin to intercede and say, God, I am sensing that this spirit or this spirit is trying to attach itself or attack that individual. I sense that this uh, a spirit of unbelief or, or a, a prideful spirit or whatever it might be is trying to attack this individual. And you come and you come against that thing. And what would it look like if we would begin to fight with each other instead of against each other? And I see somebody that is under a battle or has maybe given into something that they should not have given into. But instead of raising my fist against them in the spirit, I actually say, let me join you. And together, we will conquer the enemy of our souls. 
But too many times we come into agreement with the accuser of the brethren and we start accusing ourselves. And we'll say, man, that person is wrong. Wow, they are really messed up or this or that. And so when we understand our role of responsibility is to bring order, but it's not to bring order by controlling people. It's by fighting in the supernatural. Now look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone who goes and speaks on behalf of, without their own agenda. <laughs> I, would, I would say that's where I've probably messed more things up than I've helped, is when I've gone into a situation and I forgot that the agenda wasn't really supposed to be about me. And you sense something, but you like to, okay, I'm here on assignment from the Lord, and, and you say some things that you know that the Lord is speaking, but then you kind of put your own little brand on it too. And by the way, let me add this, and then you'll just, you'll mess the whole thing up. An ambassador is someone that is sent by someone from another country to speak on behalf of. Your citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. You are an alien. You're a sojourner here. So you are a representative from another country. But you've been sent to earth as an ambassador to speak on behalf of the king to restore order and to bring direction from the other country. Now listen, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, it is our role of responsibility to walk in reconciliation, to walk against and to come against principalities and powers. But first of all, we have to make sure that there is nothing in our own life with principalities and powers. And this is why the principle of the beam versus the speck in the eye is so important because if you remove things out of your own life, when God's as though God were pleading through you, it is not tainted or hindered in any way. And then God speaks through you and restores order because you've understood that your identity is in Christ. And as an ambassador, I'm called to walk in dominion in the spirit realm. And I fight with people, not against them. As though God himself were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. My relationship with the Lord, if you would know my past, I've been delivered from years and years of addictions. Uh, alcohol, drugs, pornography, brought it into my marriage. My children were really young. 10 years into my marriage, I was arrested for the third time. And uh, my son very, very faintly remembers it. We've had some conversations. We've had quite a few conversations about it since. But those are the things that, that God has redeemed me from, is that life and that lifestyle, and restored our marriage. Our marriage in the first 10 years, uh, we discussed divorce multiple times. And there was just a, it was an absolutely horrible, horrible situation. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, has restored things and has reconciled. And this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to leave you with this word. The Bible says that you have been reconciled. You've been made right. Reconcil reconciliation is literally this simple. Brother, let me tell you what God has done to deliver me and to set me free from a life of sin and bondage. And in my reconciliation, and I begin to tell you what God has done, that is called the ministry of reconciliation. So when you are reconciled, and when God has set you free and brought you into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Father through Jesus Christ, then he hands you the ministry of reconciliation. And it even goes further than that and says that he commits to you the word of reconciliation. The word. The word. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. If you uh, study the word, word, sometimes it's a capital W, sometimes it's a small w. I challenge you to study it sometime. It, it, it's absolutely amazing. To discover that you have been committed to, it's been committed to you the word of reconciliation. It's our responsibility as ambassadors to recognize who we are, what we're called to do, to walk in dominion, to walk in reconciliation, to bring order to situations, never to control people, never to exercise dominion over people. And if you're doing that, stop it and repent of it immediately because you will cause way more damage than you will do good. I'll tell you that for a fact. But the reason that we get it confused at times is because inside of you, there's something in you that tells you, I know I'm called to walk in dominion. But if you, if you exercise it in honor, it actually starts to bring life to situations and not death. So if you see life coming out of situations and even hard, hard, difficult situations, and if you see life coming out of exhortation, then you know you're operating in the right realm. You know you're exercising dominion over principalities and powers. If you see death rising out of things that you do, if you see death rising out of exhortation, look at the condition of your heart and the intention of your heart for wanting to do it. If you see death rising out of, of the way that you walk in dominion, look at what you're walking in dominion over and make sure that it's not negatively affecting people. Now, I am not suggesting for one minute that you walk around so scared to say something. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you walk around as a warrior. I'm suggesting that you walk around boldly because of the grace of God that is on you. I'm suggesting that you address things that are out of alignment, but I am also telling you that it has to be done with the right intention of your heart. I spend more time, before I go talk to someone, I spend more time praying that my attitude is right and that my motivation is right than I do with what I believe needs to be said. Most of the time, we tend to spend the majority of the time thinking about what we're going to say, and we spend no time dealing with the condition of our heart. I challenge you this morning to spend most of your time praying that how you do it 
would actually birth something out of it. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, I have all kinds of understanding. I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. But man, according to how you do it, you're going to wreck things. But if you do it out of a heart of compassion and love, with an interest to draw yourself together in relationship, it will start to birth life in your midst. Honor is not an option. Honor in dominion. Dominion is who you are. That's what you're created to walk in. Do it in honor. Amen? That's what the Lord is teaching me today. I pray for you, and then I'll release it back to you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, it's been good to be here today. And I thank you for this opportunity. And God, this word that I spoke, God, you've you've revealed it to me and you've been teaching me. And so God, I release this today with the desire that with this understanding that things would come into order. Not only in this congregation, but in families, in homes. And even beyond that, God, I pray Well, God, let me pray it this way. This is how you're laying it on my heart. I pray first and foremost that order would come into alignment in individual lives. I pray that that order would transpire or or translate into the family and that husbands and fathers would step up into their role of responsibility to lead their homes and to lead them with love and compassion and that things would come back into order in the homes of the ones represented here in this place. I pray that this church would come into order and that the things that are out of order, God would be lovingly put back into order. And this whole congregation would understand that they are together to experience the fullness of Christ, not because one or the other has the full revelation, but God, we need each other. Everybody needs each other. And then out of that, God, that this city would be brought back into order with the things that are out of alignment, with the homes that need to hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with mothers and fathers in their homes that are broken would understand that for the first time maybe that there's hope and that the next generation would be imparted a culture, a kingdom culture that would change this entire region and people from around would say, Look at what God has done. And so God, I speak that. I speak that over these people and I bless them to walk in the things of heaven. I bless them to come into alignment with the kingdom of God. And I bless them to walk in their dominion and their authority and to exercise it according to the plan and the will of God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.